I was cycling my bike and I was hit from behind by a Range Rover and it broke my back in five places, broke eight ribs, ripped out my shoulder, broke my hip, my ankle and ripped all the skin from the left side of my body. They told me I'd never walk again. And my dad had just passed away a little time before that. With all of my might, I was praying for my dad to come and take me. Um, and that was, that was a pretty, pretty low time. My mom kept saying, this too shall pass. And then I met another surgeon, a little Sri Lankan guy who told me that, oh yeah, he could fix it. And he did, he fixed it. My first session with the chiropractor and he said, what's your goal? And my mom was with him and I said, I want to run a 5K within six months. And the day of the six month anniversary, I shuffled a 5K. Hi and welcome to Let's Listen with Kieran McBreen. My name's Andrew and I'm here with Kieran tonight. Hi Kieran, how are you? I'm great, thank you Andrew. How are you? I'm really well, thank you. And on today's show we have Catherine O'Farrell. We sure do. I mean, I have to say Andrew, I was blown away by Catherine's story. Um, as you know, I like to, the whole passion of everything we do is to speak to real people, real stories. And I knew that Catherine's story, well I guess Catherine's story was what she's massively passionate about, which is inclusion. And when I asked her what the topic was, when she, when she went down a different direction, it just blew my mind because I was so curious, where are we going to go with this? And, and as the listeners will hear, it's a very deep, very powerful, very inspiring story. Yeah, it's um, a spoiler alert. Catherine got hit by a Land Rover and mangled by one and went from that stage to being able to walk to now doing, it seems to be, triathlons for fun. Absolutely, to think the, of the journey, the progress, and um, and what she's been through physically and mm. mentally. You know, it's an absolute credit to her. And I just, uh, I love the phrase she used about, about being an iron lady, you know. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, I mean, running a 5K is one thing. Doing an Ironman is, is just, <laughs> it's crazy. It's so inspirational. Post broken back, post broken back. Anyway, before we get to Catherine, shall we do the shameless plugs? Please. The book. Yeah, uh, anniversary there last week, Andrew. Um, book sales went went uh, went high last week, which was great. Just as I say, I just every month I just keep getting re-inspired by the story, by the feedback we're getting. So um, yeah, it's still available. And the online course. Yeah, I mean the the wonderful thing about the online course, Andrew, is that it's um it's it's very cost effective and it is. It's so accessible for for people to do in their own time. And it's very simple. I purposely designed it that it's so simple. It literally is a 10-minute job every time you sit down on the computer. So, um, yeah, the key to everything we do is apply the skills learned. You know, there's no point in just doing them. The skills need to be applied to keep that behavior a learned behavior. And if people want to do some one-to-one coaching? Yeah, please reach out. Instagram, um, at CMB Coach McBreen. Um, my LinkedIn, Kieran McBrain, and my website, cmbcoachingandtraining.com. And of course, a big thank you to our sponsors, ISD Sports Science here in Dubai. Now, after all of that, this is Catherine O'Farrell. Catherine, how are you doing? I'm very well. Thank you very much. I hope you're well tonight. I'm, I'm great. We've got Catherine O'Farrell here tonight, and Catherine is uh, from Inclusion. 
Catherine, tell us, what is your topic here? Tonight, I'm going to talk a little bit about overcoming adversity and um, overcoming like a major life challenge and how, how I navigated it and the impact that it's had on my life. Catherine, the floor is yours. Tell us your story. As I said, I'm Catherine. Um, I'm Irish, born and raised in a little village between two lovely mountain ranges in the south of the island. I've been in the UAE for almost 11 years now. And I've been working in education and in psychology. I'm a psychologist. I've been working with kids and adults for probably 15 years. And I'd always been counseling people about how to overcome adversity, but I'd never really had any major challenges myself until about five years ago when I was hit by a car. I'm quite sporty, so I train a lot. I'm very active and I was cycling my bike here near Sports City where I live. And I was hit from behind by a Range Rover and it broke my back in five places, broke eight ribs, ripped out my shoulder, broke my hip, my ankle and ripped all the skin from the left side of my body. And the first three surgeons I met they told me I'd never walk again. It was the day before I was to start my dream job. I'd been offered a, a group head of inclusion for the region's biggest educational providers. And I thought, like, well, first of all, I thought, oh, damn, I can't walk. And then I was really upset as well because I thought the job would be gone. I thought I there was just everything seemed to just cascade into this this nightmare, I, it was a real nightmare. My mum flew over straight away that day, the day it happened. And thankfully, I was really lucky that within a few hours of being admitted into the hospital, I had five of my closest friends were with me in the ER and stayed with me until my mum arrived. But the first couple of days when I was going through those surgeons and believing that I'd never walk again were just torture. They were really, really horrendous. And then I met another surgeon, a little Sri Lankan guy who told me that, oh yeah, he could fix it. He said it pretty matter of factly, like, like it was nothing. I went through a few surgeries and he did, he fixed it. And this year I completed a marathon. I completed an Ironman. I've been competing in triathlons and I'm pretty much back to about almost as good as I was beforehand. But I think the experience really, really taught me a lot about how to be resilient, but also how to be vulnerable in situations where you really feel like the world is crashing around you and you've no control and that it's okay to lean on people and to really allow people to help you. Because that was definitely something I had never really really done before. I'd always been the one helping other people. As a psychologist, I think you kind of have that. That's just your norm, that you're the one who is offering support and offering guidance. You never really think about seeking it for yourself. But learning how to be vulnerable was a huge, huge learning curve for me. I can only imagine how difficult it is. And uh I, I'm struggling to believe that your first words were, oh, damn. <laughs> I'm guessing it was a wee bit more vocal than that. Hopefully it was a bit more more flowery. <laughs> yes. On a serious note, Catherine, take us back to the incident. You know, you're in your new country. 
you're excited about your new 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 beginning. I'm guessing you're just lying on the side of the road. Just give us a step by step vision of what happened. Did, did he? Did the gentleman get out of the car? Was it even a gentleman? What happened? I had actually been in the country for a number of years, but I was in this big transition to a new job, and I was, I I was so full of excitement. I was cycling. A guy swerved across an empty road. It was very early on a Saturday morning and hit me from behind and propelled me forward. I don't remember the impact, thankfully, um, and I've never had PTSD, thankfully, which was something that I was terrified for for a whole year. I was waiting for it, but it never came, thank God. But um, I came around at the scene. He had gotten out of his car and another gentleman had stopped as well to help him, a South African guy who I will forever remember for his kindness. But I remember waking up on the side of the road and the South African gentleman had cream chinos and brown leather shoes and they were the same style that my best friend wears and I remember looking at it thinking why am I on the floor why am I on the road and what is Kevin doing why is he standing like wow what's going on I don't remember being in pain but I remember the guy who hit me was wearing a candora and I remember trying to stand up because I couldn't breathe. my I had broken eight ribs. My lungs were being crushed. And I really wanted to stand up because I thought I couldn't breathe. So I was trying to grapple on his candora. And I remember seeing blood getting all over his candora. And I was like, where's all this blood coming from? And then I saw my bike crushed um, at the side of the road. Then I must have passed out. I don't remember much after that. I came around when the uh, paramedics were moving me onto the stretcher. I remember that distinctly because that was one of the most horrendous bouts of flashes of pain I hope I'll ever have to endure. Um, And then I came around again when I was in the emergency department. So a lot of it is very blurry, but I remember bits and pieces of the emergency department because I was in there for maybe three or four hours before they could move me to to a room. It was pretty terrifying until I got to the hospital. Once they started dosing me up with all the medication, I was having quite quite a nice time <laughs> for a period of time because you don't you don't really feel much. But the day after when my mom arrived, they had to stop reduce the meds because I was going into surgery. They couldn't operate that day because I was too swollen. And when the meds started coming off, I had overnight, I remember lying, wishing and praying, praying that I could die because I believed I'd never be able to walk again. And the pain was really bad. And my dad had just passed away a little time before that. So I was really like, I was with all of my might, I was praying for my dad to to come and take me, take me to wherever he was. I, I, I'm not really sure where that might be, but I just wanted to go. That was a pretty, pretty low time. And then when I came around and my mom was there, I just knew there was kind of no messing after that. Like mom was like, right, we're going to get a plan of action here and we're going to move on. And like there was no room for detrimental thoughts. Mum really, really took the reins and just steered steered the ship ahead, which was a lifesaver. It was amazing. Fantastic and well done to mum and 
I'm sure um, I'm sure we all need a bit of your mum in our own personal journeys, to be honest with you, Catherine. Um, I'm guessing I'm guessing you hit rock bottom and that's when you were, were hoping that was the end. What changed, Catherine? You know, obviously your mum had an impact. At what stage did things start looking better? I could pretty, pretty much pinpoint it to Dr. Siraj, the guy who who operated on my spine that first time. He literally stood at the side of my bed. He was the fourth surgeon to appraise me. And he read the reports, looked at the reviews and the x-rays, and he said, yeah, I can fix this. And it was literally just as simple as that. And that was like, it was literally like somebody switched something. And I went directly from being, like I had actually said to my mom, I want to look at how we can transfer me to a country where I can euthanize. Life not being able to move around the way I was used to wasn't something that I thought I could handle at that time. And when he said that, it literally went, okay, now I've got a whole other perspective on this and we've got to make make this work. And it literally, everything shifted. And a big part of the shift in that journey as well was my mom kept saying, this too shall pass. And she must have said that in the weeks afterwards when we were in the hospital. And she stayed with me in the hospital room until I came out. Every day she would say over and over again, this too shall pass. Probably the worst part in the coming days and, and week after that was having the dressings changed on the road burn. And that far surpassed the pain of any broken bones, like by a mile. I don't know if any of your listeners have ever had road burn from any kind of an accident, but when it's bad, it is horrendously painful. And every day you'd have to change your dressings twice. And it was just, it's like somebody's searing hot acid across you every day. It's horrendous. So having mom there with that phrase, that one phrase was just awesome. What kept you going, Catherine? Do you do you believe in faith, or was it was it was it you know is it spiritual? Is it mom? Is it the doctor? You know what was it? Yeah, a big part of it was a friend of mine had been in India a few months beforehand. And he had spent a month on a silent retreat doing this, all this mindfulness and yoga practice. And he had walked me through it step by step just a few weeks before the accident, all about mindful visualization and mindfulness, mindful healing and self-healing with the brain. And as a psychologist, we're often kind of skeptical of these kind of practices. But when I was in the hospital, I had, I had a ton of time. So I started practicing this mindful healing. And I really, to this day, I believe that this was about 90% of the healing process. I would take out biological pictures of the areas that were damaged. I compare them with my x-rays and then I visualize the cells going to those places and visualize the pain and then try to abstract the pain. And the pain became totally manageable without medication after about a week using this process. It was amazing. And I've been using this process in practice with clients really successfully ever since. I've had clients with anxiety, clients with agoraphobia, addiction, everything. And using mindfulness has been really amazing. 
so yeah, I think the mindfulness was that mindful healing was probably after my mom the the biggest shift in in the movement forward. Yeah, I mean, I, I mostly believe in it myself. I even get my own children doing it. You know, a three year old and a five year old, five year old, and I do it myself. I, I, you know, I, I I have to practice what I preach, and it's so so powerful. And you know, we we I'm sure we come from a similar background at home. You know, you never would have dreamt doing this growing up in the '90s in Ireland. You know, no, and it, it it's just one of them things. I call it to people. I, but before I I start doing it, I always say, look, this might land. And it might not. You might think this is nonsense. You might think it's amazing. But let's give it a go and we pick a mix. And if we don't like it, we don't do it. If we do like it, we continue. Yeah. But we got to get people trying this kind of stuff. And it's not just this, it's many things. But people need to try and explore. You know? Absolutely. I absolutely agree. I think as a practitioner, you could almost feel a little apprehensive in promoting it so much because people are so skeptical. But when you can show them how well it works, and it's not, there's no secret recipe. There really isn't any secret recipe. It's not magic. It's not something that you have to study for years. It's so easy to do. And I just wish more people knew about it, like particularly for something like anxiety, because that can be so debilitating. If you get really bad panic attacks, like I've had clients who, one girl, she literally jumped out of her car in the middle of Sheikh Zayed Road and was trying to pull her top off because her chest was constricting. She was having an, a panic attack. And I started this method with her and it worked within a couple of weeks after years and years that she had been in therapy with no progress. And it's literally just, you look at, well, the web method that I use is looking at anatomical images of where you believe the pain to be or the, the constriction or whatever. And then visualizing that internally, drawing all of your focus and attention to it. And I know there's probably lots and lots of different processes that are distracting you from whatever is causing the panic attack here, which would help as well. But that process, it just, it's so effective. It sure is, Katrin. And the thing is, I said to so many people, you know, we've got so many easy resources Like, get on YouTube and just have a look around and, and start playing around with different things. Of course, it's not as easy as just watching a video on YouTube and doing it and being treated and feeling better, but it's a start. It's a start, you know. Catherine, we're going to move forward to the, um, you know, you mentioned Iron Man, but I'm going to have to say Iron Woman. Yeah. Tell me about this side of you. I've always been quite sporty. I was playing with the Dubai Eagles for years. I've always been doing some sort of competition always. So when the accident happened, they told me I couldn't play rugby anymore. No more contact sports. And I thought, oh, no, what the devil am I going to do? Because rugby was a huge part of my life, both socially and physically sporting and everything. I remember my first my first session with the chiropractor, probably maybe three weeks after the accident. And he said, what's your goal? And my mom was with him. And I said, I want to run a 5K within six months. And I was... In a wheelchair, I had back huge big back brace that I had to wear for months. It was the torment of my life. I was, everything was broken. And the guy looked at me, he looked at my mom, and my mom was literally nodding, kind of going, Yes, yes, this is this is a reasonable <laughs> goal to have. And he said, Okay, if you think you can do it, we can do it. And the day of the six-month anniversary, I shuffled a 5K. I shuffled it. 
without, I, I had to wear the brace, but I didn't have, I was on a Zimmer frame for ages as well. So I didn't have a Zimmer frame, didn't have crutches, no nothing, shuffled it through and I did it. Since then, I've been setting kind of those kind of high targets. And the Ironman was like, that's that's a pretty big one. And I thought I'd never been really good at swimming, but I had to swim a lot after the accident. And uh, it just seemed like a natural progression. Give it a go, you know, give it a lash. Why not? <laughs> Do an Ironman, <laughs> whack it out. And then the week after the Ironman, I did a marathon. Um, and I never planned on doing a marathon, never, because I just never was really that much of a lover of running. And I thought, sure, I'm fit enough to do an Ironman and the marathon is on the week after. Sure, I may as well do it. <laughs> I ran the marathon as well. That's, that's just amazing. Absolute credit to you, you know. Um, such an inspiration to so many people out there. But let's be honest, you know, it's okay having a, a laugh and a joke right now about it. It can't have been that easy. So, so what skills for our listeners out there or anybody potentially going through something similar to you what skills, what personal skills did you have to use to, to get you to make this happen? Hope is definitely the biggest one. And I lost hope for a while. And those those few days when I had lost hope were probably the among the darkest of my life. So hope is so important for those of us who are lucky to have people around who love us to really allow yourself to leaning and lean on them and don't don't be afraid of being vulnerable that's something that i've held on to a lot since the accident is that i've i'm much more able to be vulnerable and to say sometimes i need help or if something is not working or struggling to reach out and and ask and just just don't feel like you have to take all of these burdens of life on your own because we don't. And just as we would be very happy to help others, others are happy to help us. Um, that That's kind of the the vulnerability and hope are the two strongest ones that I would say. Yeah, and I, I love what you're saying about, about asking for help. There's so many people out there that think it's a weakness and it's absolutely the opposite. For me, it's a strength. And I, especially when I work with young people, you know, just ask for help and look around you. Look at who look at who has the answer. Who is the solution to something we're struggling with? You know, let's let's get through this together, you know. Your training regime. Of course you didn't just run an Iron Man and do a marathon. Tell us about your training regime and your diet. Oh gosh, my training regime is pretty hectic. So I swim six days a week, uh, usually. So I might miss a day here or there, but I do a kilometer every day almost every day. I cycle between 50 and 150 twice a week. I run a half marathon once a week and I run either a 10K or 5K in addition. I've just started gymnastics class as well. So I really want to learn how to do a handstand. That's my goal for this every year. Every Saturday. Um, I hike every Saturday. Wow. When do you work and when do you sleep? I'm very lucky in that I opened my own company just a year and a half ago. And the flexibility I have with that is huge. But I also, I get up at four o'clock most mornings. I sleep really well, but I sleep very, very little. I don't, I sleep maybe five hours a day. And it's, I've been like that for as long as I remember. So I can get up early. I can train early and it's, it just works for me. 
Uh, my diet is, if it's edible, I'll eat it pretty much. <laughs> I have a, a raucous appetite and I eat, I'm very flexible as long as most of what I eat, I prepare myself. I don't really eat much processed food. If it's something that's natural, any vegetables, I love vegetables. That's, that's nothing fancy. I'm not on any fancy regime or anything. It's but it's clearly, you know, the ingredients for your success is clearly hard work, determination, motivation and get up and go. Yeah, I think I'm pretty, pretty determined. Yeah, I've always been pretty determined, to be fair. But yeah, it's it's knowing that there's always another challenge that you can do, whether it's work wise or sporting or emotionally, friends, family, whatever. Having some goals is really important. And before we get on to your next challenge and next goal, you mentioned work. Tell us, tell us about what you're what you're currently doing. Yeah, you're a big inclusion advocate. I think I could have done with somebody like you when I was at school. What's going on right now? So I've been in this sphere for the since I've been in the UAE. I've been operating in this sphere, and we're really trying. Myself and my partner Harmeet, she is a wonderful, wonderful inclusion practitioner as well. We're really pushing to drive inclusion across schools, as many as we can get. We're working with over 200 schools in Sharjah through the Sharjah Education Academy. We've got about 80 schools other than that from our own company that we work with, um, whether it's through consultancy to develop inclusive practices or I do consultancy all around for everything from building campuses through to school development um, and then one of the bigger areas where we're finding a real impact, we provide and train learning support assistants or shadow teachers. And we're seeing a really big impact there because they are working literally one-on-one -on -one with the kids all day, every day. And they can make the change that we are really trying to push. They literally, what we show them today, they can implement tomorrow and really change a child's life and their ability to access education. And that's been growing hugely. And we've been really lucky. Every door we've knocked on so far, pretty much every door is opening for us. We've been really lucky. That's great to hear and catch. And I'm sure that we both could talk about this topic all night. Uh, maybe that's another, another podcast down the road. On the, on the personal level, Catherine, what's next? I'm hoping to do a 7,000 meter hike in Pakistan in the summer. And then I have another Ironman in September. So they're the, the sporting goals. And with work, we have our formal launch coming up at the Accessibilities Expo. Uh, that's going to be in October. So that'll be, that'll be a big one. Great stuff. Catherine, where can people find you? www.inclusion.com and that's I-N-C-L-U-Z-U-N. We're there. I'm all over social media. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm quite quite active on LinkedIn. So if anybody wants to reach out or have a chat, anything, that they can find me very easily on LinkedIn. Great stuff. And you can put all that information in the show notes. But Katrin, I have wrote down here on my own personal notes, there is other two other people. I think we need to add maybe three people to the show notes. One is the South African gentleman who supported you on the side of the road. One is your wonderful doctor who gave you hope. And of course, we can't leave out your amazing mother. We have to add her. And if any of our listeners want to reach out to these people, I'm sure they'll be able to help. Yeah, yeah, that would be wonderful. And thank you so much for the opportunity. Um, what you're doing is just amazing because 
kids, especially teenagers, often don't have a platform to either speak or be heard. And it's wonderful to have somewhere they can go just just to have a safe space. It really is wonderful. Thank you very much for your kind words. We really, uh, really appreciate that, Catherine. Catherine, we're done for tonight. Uh, thank you for sharing everything. It's a fantastic story. Very deep, very emotional, but most importantly, very inspirational. So anybody out there who can get anything from your message today, please take it on board. Catherine, thanks so much. Thank you so much. Good night. Uh, wow, Kieran, that is a hell of a story, isn't it? It sure is. It sure is. Um, oh, I mean, we could have spoke for much longer on that topic, Andrew. It's. Uh, mm. I would. Um, yeah, I'm curious to to, to get down. I lo- I love how she put the the three ingredients of hope, of having good friends around her to support her, and um, and not to be afraid of being vulnerable. You know. Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was a very. It was. It was, and obviously the benefits of modern medicine but yes I, I thought that was really interesting wasn't it that she she talked about how hope and how the, almost the mind over matter was as effective as the painkillers and you can't really argue with that with someone who's actually been through it and done it can you and that's the thing that's what we want to achieve with this this show Andrew is, is that real people can you know can resonate with the story and use the strategies um, Cantron used the phrase mindful healing you know now there's lots of different words we can use visualization we can use breath work um we do tap and therapy all this kind of stuff is what i do with my clients but the reality is mindful healing is actually a beautiful way of putting it and it's again it's the power of the mind and as i always say you know don't don't judge it until you try it because believe you me when when you try it and it does work for you you're in you're in it's very powerful stuff yeah, I'm the biggest skeptic in the world of these things. But when you hear us sit there and say, no, it actually worked, you really do think, well, maybe it's worth a try. Um, another great show, Kieran. Just at the at the end of it, let's just go through. So if it's the book, if it's the one-to-one training, if it's the online course, all those notes are, all the access to all of those is in the show notes. And Kieran, I will see you next time. All the best, Andrew. Thanks so much. Take care. Bye-bye.